What is up, everyone? Happy football Saturday. Just didn't get a show yesterday. Driving back from Indianapolis. Um, but yeah, championship Saturday right now. Got uh, a little over 24 hours till the NFC Championship kicks off at 3 Eastern tomorrow. Um, got a bunch of stuff going on. USFL. A uh, little bit of college news. And then we got uh, NFL. Some pro days. Dates getting locked down. Got the finalists for NFL awards. And then, of course, we're still going through the coaching carousel interviews and a couple hires getting done this week. Uh, talk about some injuries, and then we'll get into the championship game previews at the end. Uh, so, some stuff with USFL. Uh, Canton, Ohio has been announced as the other northern hub city um, for the 2023 season starting in April here. Pittsburgh Maulers, New Jersey Generals, <clears throat> they will be the two teams that will uh, be at Canton. So pretty historic place where they played the championship game last year and, and the playoffs. So um, nice that they can get that scheduled back again this season. Bunch of signings uh, of note anyways. The Birmingham Stallions re-signing Shark Dog, one of the most well-known USFL players, Scooby Wright III, um, college ball at Arizona there. And, yeah, Shark Dog will be back for USFL Season 2. They also signed former Packers tight end Jay Sternberger. The uh, Memphis Showboats, they got a, a new quarterback there. They f signed former Southeastern Louisiana quarterback Cole Kelly. Uh, and then the Pittsburgh Maulers, they signed Reuben Foster. Coming back, trying to make a comeback anyways. I feel like he's way old at this point. I don't. I didn't look up what how old he is, but... He's been around for quite a while. <laughs> no. I feel like he might be younger than we think, though. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. He's he's uh, 28. I just looked Jeez. it up. Yeah. That's crazy. Huh. It feels like he's just been all kinds of different places. Uh -huh. Definitely thought he was over 30. Yeah. Um, for college news, just two things. Uh, transfer portal, Utah running back Micah Bernard. He's withdrawn his name, so he'll go back to Utah. Good for the Utes um, coming off back-to-back Pac-12 championships. Um, need, need Bernard there to pair with Cam Rising. And then Miami. Yeah, this was an interesting situation. They fired offensive coordinator Josh Gaddis after one season uh, in Coral Gables. Former Michigan offensive coordinator. But uh, Mario Cristobal's got to figure something out now at offensive coordinator. Really late into the, the coaching carousel process for college. 
So I don't know what they're going to do, but. <laughs> NFL news. Uh, just one general thing. It's not really confirmed, but the Steelers. Uh, President Art Rooney said that they do expect to re-sign quarterback Mitch Trubisky this offseason um, to serve as Kenny Pickett's backup. Or I guess... Yeah. I think it was a re-sign. I can't remember if this was his last year or... If he still had one more year on his two-year deal. I don't remember. No, yeah, he signed last year. I think he signed last year, and then they drafted Pickett, too. Yeah. So, okay. it was just so, a one-year deal when they signed him last year? No, it was a two-year. I two think it was year. a multi-year deal. Yeah, it was okay. a two-year. So, I guess Art Rooney's just saying he's coming back uh, okay. to be Pickett's backup this year. A uh, couple pro days. We got the three of the top four quarterbacks pro days. Lined up Ohio State's for C.J. Stroud. That's going to be March 22nd. March 23rd is Bryce Young's and Alabama's. And March 24th is Kentucky and Will Levis's Pro Day. Um, so three of the top four quarterbacks all right in a row. It's going to be a lot of traveling for scouts to see all those three quarterbacks in three days. Okay. This is where we're going to get some conversation going here. Award finalists. So, starting at the top. MVP. I love how they started. They changed it this year to now we have five finalists. And it's like the Heisman where you vote and whoever gets the most first place votes wins. Uh, so, Bills quarterback Josh Allen. Bengals quarterback Joe Burrow. Eagles quarterback Jalen Hurts, Vikings wide receiver Justin Jefferson, and Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes. I am gonna hate. I'm. I know what's gonna happen, and it's gonna piss me off because it's 2017 all over again. Carson Wentz should have won the MVP in 2017. Jalen Hurts should win the MVP this year. I know Patrick Mahomes is gonna win it because Jalen Hurts missed two games. Yep. Well. Yeah. I'll be very happy when that happens because I did a preseason bet for Mahomes to win it, and it looks pretty good for me right now. So that's who I would put my money on again still right now. But if it's not Mahomes, I really wish it could be Jefferson because I would just like to see a non-quarterback win the award for the first time since, what was it, Peterson the last time? Uh, Yeah, in 08. Yeah. Yeah. So, it's been a while. So, if it's not Mahomes, I'd like to see it be Jefferson, but I don't think he's going to win it either. No, I think it'll probably be, yeah, Mahomes. I think um, it'd be cool, I agree, to see Jefferson win it. Um, but I think if it's not Mahomes, it's, it's it would be Hurts. But I just think, yeah, because of missing those two games and, you know, that's just kind of how it plays out, I guess. You know, I mean, they were kind of neck and neck for a while. Um, and that missing those two games, I think, is kind of just what's going to give Mahomes the edge. Yeah. I think that the 
So Mahomes has like all the stats, right? Mm-hmm. Passing yards, passing touchdowns. But I think what what might kill Hurts because he missed the two games is that the presence of how their run, their running attack is like they run so much that he doesn't get all the stats that, you know, the passing opportunities that Mahomes does. Um but I also I think the voters have to factor in those two games the Eagles lost. Yep. I was going to say so, that. Yeah. That, I feel like, has to factor in that he is, like, the most valuable player. Yeah. And, I mean, the MVP is technically a regular season award, right? Mm-hmm. But I feel like they definitely have to look at the playoffs. Obviously, both of, the, both of those guys are still in, and they both have a chance to make it to the Super Bowl. But I feel like this weekend's games, or tomorrow's games, I should say, that might make an impact on it. Like, if Hurts makes it to the Super Bowl and Burrow beats Mahomes, I think that might actually push Hurts over the edge a little bit. Yeah. Good. Yeah, that's a good... Yeah, that's a good call. I think... I don't know. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, I mean, I could see the inverse happening, though. If, you know, if Hurts were somehow... Or if the Eagles were somehow to lose this weekend... You know that could kind of do the same. It could be the same effect, um, or I mean, we already kind of think that Mahomes is the favorite anyway. But yeah, I don't know. It'll be interesting. So moving on to offensive player of the year, got three of the same guys: Eagles quarterback Jalen Hurts, Vikings wide receiver Justin Jefferson, Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes. Would it not be the most NFL thing to do? to give one of Hurts and Mahomes the MVP and the other one Offensive Player of the Year and leave Justin Jefferson out of everything. But, I mean, that would be the most NFL thing, but you even said it yourself. Hurts doesn't really have the numbers to really warrant being the Offensive Player of the Year. So I think, again, since the MVP is technically a quarterback award, give it to Jefferson. Yeah, I think... I think, you know, the Offensive Player of the Year, yeah, is usually, like, reserved for kind of, like, that skill position guy who does really well, like, kind of the second place type deal. Like, you're not a quarterback, you played really well, but so we'll give you this Offensive Player of the Year. So, yeah, I think, I mean, you know. I mean, we we saw it last year with Cooper Cup. He had probably one of the best, if not the best, season in history for a wide receiver. Mm-hmm. And he still didn't win MVP, but he won Offensive Player of the Year, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. That yeah. is because, just like Cup last year, though, it, you know, if Jefferson would have broken the Calvin's record, MVP. But he didn't. So, yeah, uh, yeah. probably Jefferson for Offensive Player of the Year. Now, Defensive Player of the Year, I think there's a lot more conversation uh, so the finalists for that are 49ers defensive end Nick Bosa, Chiefs defensive tackle Chris Jones, which I was just very confused about, and Cowboys linebacker Micah Parsons. Mm-hmm. So I have a preseason bet for Parsons to win it. I think everyone's putting their their eggs on Bosa, but I think Parsons got a 
good shot against him. Well, I don't know the stats off the top of my head, but I definitely feel like I've heard a lot more about Parsons this year than I have about Bosa. So, Bosa led yeah, the I think I would go Parsons too. Bosa led the league in sacks. Yeah. I mean, was it a blowout this year, though? What? Was it a blowout in sacks this year, though? Or was it a close race? I don't think so. Go ahead, Colin. I mean, I was going to say, I don't think, you know, I think you can't go wrong with either of the three guys, any of the three guys. I mean, I think, yeah, it's definitely probably more so between Bosa and Parsons. But I know, like, all year, I mean, the Cowboys and the Niners have had, like, the best defenses, and those are probably by far the two best guys, right? Or, I mean, two of the best defenses. Not to, you know, not trying to step on the Eagles there, Rusty. My bad. (laughs) I mean, I'm pretty sure the Cowboys had the number one fantasy defense, so. Yeah. Right. And, I mean, so I don't know. I think both of those guys are kind of, you know, the – the biggest part of mm-hmm. how great those defenses are. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I, I could see it going either way. But I, I think I agree that I have heard a lot about – I mean, you hear a lot about Parsons all the time because he's such, like, a freak. But, mm-hmm. yeah. And I'm also, like, I don't know if I if surprise is the right word, but it's interesting that all three of the finalists are the front seven guys. There's no – Defensive backs and the finalists right now. Obviously, we'll get to that later with the defensive rookie of the year because I'm pretty sure there's a cornerback that's going to win that, but that's beside the point. So, Bosa led the league in sacks by two and a half. Uh, Hassan Reddick and Miles Garrett had 16. I actually do see why Chris Jones is up there now. I did not realize he had that good of a season from the defensive tackle spot. Chris Jones had 15 and a half sacks from the right. D, from the D tackle spot. Yeah. That's crazy. So yeah, now I understand why Chris Jones is up there. Uh, I still think he's a third place guy though. Oh yeah, yeah for sure. Um, but yeah, Micah Parsons ended up with 13 and a half sacks. Um, and I don't know. Three fumble recoveries, a defensive touchdown, sixty-five tackles. But yeah, I think it's going to be really close. Bosa and Parsons hate the Cowboys, but I hope Parsons wins so I can win some money. And don't you still love him from his Penn State days? Yeah. No, <laughs> college allegiance goes out the window for me in the NFL unless they're on my teams. Okay, that's fair. Uh, so comeback player of the year here Giants running back Saquon Barkley 49ers running back Christian McCaffrey and Seahawks quarterback Geno Smith that's a tough one I'm going with Geno though but I saw something earlier today that like he was a finalist but why like what did he come back from like from irrelevance yeah, but I don't know. I I prefer giving it to the guys that were hurt and came back and performed just as good, if not better, than they were before the injury. So I I would give it to one of the two running backs. Which one? I'm not 100 percent sure. Though. 
Maybe McCaffrey, since he had to switch teams and systems halfway through the year. I don't know. It's a tough one. I'm really I'm confused about it too because I think I don't know for story purposes. I think it's I think Gino makes a lot of sense, right? I mean, you know, he's he's played so well, man. I'm like, no one could have ever thought, you know, that. But like, I feel like if if Gino doesn't fit the category for this award, there should be an award for like something like Gino, like a guy who really performs above expectations, like you know, I mean. Mm -hmm. A most or a most improved or something like that, but I don't know. I think if it were between the two running backs, I think I'd go Saquon, just because he's kind of been the engine all year. But I don't know. Yeah, I agree. If I if I wouldn't go with Gino, I would go with Saquon, because um, Christian McCaffrey didn't have the greatest season in Carolina. Uh, his season really ticked up when he went to San Fran. Um, but Sa- been great. Saquon's been been fire all year, and I was very happy that I believed in him in fantasy this year, even though <laughs> it only led me to one championship. Yeah. <laughs> Off-season trade in our Dynasty League, Colin. Chris, Chris and I are in together. Yeah, rolled the <laughs> dice on him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah i had him in one in one league too got second place but yeah <laughs> uh so coach of the year all right this is this is where i get pissed off coach of the year <laughs> giants head coach brian dayball jaguars head coach doug peterson and 49ers head coach kyle shanahan i'll let y'all go first whoever wants to to go with this one well for me, I, Shanahan, yeah, the 49ers are good, but they were expected to be good, and he, they've been good since he's been there for the most part. So I don't really know why he's a finalist. I think there's a lot more or a lot better options than him to be a finalist, and I'm sure you'll get to that because you said you were upset about this. So I'll let you go on your tangent then. But – to me, it's between the other two guys, and it's kind of a tough choice between the two of them because both of those teams kind of had similar expectations because they were both two of the worst teams in the league last year. So everybody expected them to take a little bit of a step, but both of them blew expectations out of the water. Both of them made the playoffs. The Jaguars made it more because they were in a terrible division, and I just – they have more star power on the Jaguars too, I think, overall on the team. So I think I would give it to Dayball and the Giants because, like I said, they had no expectation. They made it, yes, as a wild card team, but they made it with very little on offense other than Barkley. And their defense stepped up too this year. So I think most of that is because of Dayball. Yeah, no, I, I think I agree that, yeah, I, of the three, I think Dable is, is probably the best option. I think, I, I do, I don't know, I do kind of question, I, I understand, like, Doug Peterson, and, like, that, that wild card game was crazy, like, he coached his ass off then. But, like, you know, I think, yeah, they were in a kind of really crappy division, right? Um, and, you know, like, they've, 
I think if you look at that division, I think they have probably, you know, some of the best, the best collection of talent, I think, of that uh, division. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I think while he did, obviously, and it was a big change from, um, why am I blanking on his name? Urban. Urban Meyer. Urban Meyer. <laughs> you know, big change. Nowhere to go up, nowhere to go, uh, you know, but up from there, you know. But um, I think, yeah, I think it's definitely Dable out of there. And I, and I do understand why Rusty might be a little upset because I think, you know, I do think there's a glaring name missing. And if anything, you know, you could say that um, O'Connell's missing too, um, maybe to a lesser extent. Um, but, yeah, I think – I don't know. I think between, um, you know, Peterson and Shanahan, I mean, I think there could be some other names on there. So, but it'll be Dable. I think yeah. it'll be And I just wanted to point out one more quick point about Dable, too. He was the offensive coordinator in Buffalo last year. And you saw how Josh Allen was doing with him as his coordinator. And then without him this year, I mean, Allen, yes, he's still in the MVP conversation and stuff, but he had a bad year for his standards that he's had over the last couple of years. So I think part of that is because he lost Dable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And just the way they're just the way they looked, just kind of the eye test wasn't there nearly uh-huh. as much as it maybe had been a couple of years prior. And yeah. I agree. So <laughs> <laughs> Why the hell is Nick Sirianni not on this list? Second year head coach, or yeah, third year head coach, I should say. And, you know, taking the team to the playoffs two years in a row. Number one seed this year. There is no reason why Nick Sirianni, the Eagles were the best team in the regular season. So why should the team the team's coach not get recognition even to be a finalist. I wouldn't even care if he won the award uh, to be on the list, to not be on the list is just beyond me. Um, you know, I understand why Andy Reed has fallen into the Bill Belichick uh, category of coach of the year where they're just good every year. And, uh-huh. Never going to, yeah, he's never going to be in there. Yeah, because they always want the newest thing. And, yeah, like y'all been saying, Doug Peterson does not deserve to be on this list. I understand he took the Jaguars to the playoffs in a shitty division (laughs) that none of the other teams finished above 500. Yeah. The Uh Eagles had played in the best division this year. Three of the four teams made the playoffs. And, you know, uh, all three of those teams got to the divisional round. Um, So, yeah, it it just, it didn't make sense that Nick Sirianni didn't make the list. I don't know what the AP has against him, but, yeah, Yeah, Doug Peterson, I would be the one that would be kicked off that list if I were to... To say that, um, I also think I know a lot of people don't think this, but Mike Tomlin. Uh-huh. This is the second time uh, in the last like five years or so 
that I thought Tomlin would have a good chance to win. Um, The other time was when they went eight and eight with Duck Hodges and uh, whoever else was playing quarterback when Roethlisberger (laughs) went down a couple years ago. Mm -hmm. Uh, And he got that team to eight and eight. I was like, that's a hell of a job. Uh, And this year they got the nine and eight. They didn't. I think maybe if they made the playoffs, he would have made the list. But I agree. <clears throat> to get the nine and eight so with Mitch Trubisky and that last week. What? But the Dolphins had to beat. I said I was, I was rooting so hard for the, the Steelers to make the playoffs in that last week. But then of course the Jets had to lose to the Dolphins. So. <laughs> yeah, bro, your Jets, your Jets screwed me <laughs> over. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. <clears throat> but yeah, to to get the nine and eight with Mitch Trubisky for a little bit of the year and then starting a rookie quarterback the majority of the season um, was was a solid job, I thought, by Coach Tomlin there. Still, yeah, they were, never they were a couple season. games under at one point, right? Bro, they were the same record as the Jags. They were 2-6. and six. Yeah, and then they <laughs> fought all the way back, yeah. 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 All right. Offensive rookie of the year. This is I think the rookie of the year is where we get interesting for both offense and defense. Offense though, 49ers quarterback Brock Purdy, Seahawks running back Kenneth Walker, and Jets wide receiver Garrett Wilson. Let's go. <laughs> Chris, tell me why Garrett Wilson should win. All right, well, first I'm going to say why <laughs> at least Purdy shouldn't. I agree. Yes, Purdy <laughs> Purdy is has been good and whatever, but I, I don't. I just he's only played like what, like, ten games. He played six regular season games, and this is supposed <laughs> to be a regular season award. So yeah, I I just I don't know why. Yeah, he was good and all that, but still, that's less than half the season. So I wouldn't. With that logic, right? Brees Hall should still be considered too, because he, he played like six games too, but. And he would have run away with this award if he stayed healthy the whole year. I firmly believe that. Oh, yeah, he would have. But once that went down, I saw it as a two-person race between Wilson and Walker. And uh, I just – I think Wilson just outperformed Walker in the sense that he broke all sorts of Jets rookie records. And you saw, like, I'm sure you guys both witnessed the uh, the atrocity that was the quarterback position for the Jets this year. <laughs> and Wilson was still able to put up the numbers with those quarterbacks that were throwing him the ball. So I can only imagine what it'll be like when he actually has a quarterback throwing him the ball. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Uh, question. Does so I don't know. I mean I know he was the draft I know he was drafted last year, but could ETN not be considered for this award? No. No. Okay. You know, it's it's not like uh what is that? Baseball, baseball or basketball when it comes to amount of time is considered for a rookie. Yeah. Or? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Hockey does the same thing too. Uh, okay. But yeah, I I think it's close i i am leaning more on the opposite i'm leaning toward kenneth walker uh the only 
the thing with Walker though was like him and Wilson were flipped in the second I wouldn't say the entire second half of the season but kind of like the last quarter um Mm -hmm. slash like five or six games of the season um where Walker was really shut down because the Seahawks played a hard schedule the second half and against some really good run defenses and he just couldn't get anything going in a lot of those games and Wilson even with the subpar quarterback play had some fantastic games down the stretch yeah um but yeah, I, I mean, don't even I don't know. know if it was because <clears throat> I don't know if it was because the Jets went on like a six game losing streak to end the season or something but he didn't get the recognition in those in those games either because the first half of the season it seemed like every week the Jets were winning a rookie of the week award of some sort and then they didn't win I think a single one from like week 10 on or something like that because they just <clears throat> it fell apart but Again, Wilson was, like you just said, Wilson was still performing, so. Yeah, and I'm going to go in on uh, another one of my teams. Because we mentioned, like, Brock Purdy shouldn't be on this list. Well, Kenny Pickett should be on the list. I mean, he didn't play the full season either. But when he did, he was just as good as Brock Purdy down the stretch. I I mean, the Steelers went... Six and one to end the year. Um, so, and two of those games, Kenny Pickett had a fourth quarter winning drive. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I thought Kenny Pickett should have been on the list at least. Yeah, I agree. I think, I mean, pretty, it's just story value, you know? Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, it, it's a cool story, but yeah, and six well, games. Yeah, there's also another guy, too, that I think deserved to be a finalist over Purdy and also over Pickett, in my opinion, but you might not think so. But Olave with the Saints, he had an incredible year, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think he at least deserved to be considered a finalist. Maybe not win the award, but... Right. All right, defensive rookie of the year. Chris is going to go first again, but uh, we got Jets corner, Ahmad Sauce Gardner. Lions defensive end Aiden Hutchinson and Seahawks corner Tariq Woolen. Well, I mean, <laughs> I'm wearing his jersey right now, so obviously I'd pick Sauce Gardner. Um, he had one of the best seasons ever for a rookie corner. He made the first team, I think, or something like that. He made one of the uh, teams at the end of the year. And... Yeah, I feel like Woolen might have the stats technically, but that was also because he was thrown out a lot more than Gardner. Teams didn't even want to look at Gardner's direction. He reminds me so much of Revis, and it makes me so excited that he's a Jet right now. I just hope that it works out a little bit better than Revis did. Um, but yeah, it, it, like I'm trying to think of the teams that he played against. He played against probably the two best receivers in the league right now or two of the best in Jefferson and Chase and he shut them both down for the most part and Chase was what his third game of his career and he it was it looked like it was so easy for him so I don't know I didn't get a chance to look at Woolen a lot but 
the only thing I kept hearing from people that were rooting for Woolen or saying that Woolen was better is that Woolen has all the interceptions. Well, interceptions aren't everything. Gardner led the league in like past past deflections and past breakups and all that other those other categories. So, yeah, I again I'm not gonna get too over the top, but I think if there was a rookie to be considered for defensive player of the year, I think Gardner could have been that. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, I think Sauce Gardner's. I mean, probably you know top five corner right uh, just in general right now and i don't think you could say the same for those other two guys in terms of their i mean woolen as a corner or uh you know hutchinson as an edge i mean hutchinson looked really good kind of down the stretch him and uh james houston right um i mean but i think yeah houston looked really good too i mean i think there were times watching him where i thought he popped off a little bit more than hutchinson did um i think that yeah sauce gardner in terms of just his impact on the Jets defense and the way that he, I mean, you know, just overall the way that he plays and he's a lockdown guy already. I think it's gotta be him. I agree. Yeah. I'm, I'm going with Hutchinson, man. Uh, really? <laughs> so I got the stats up here. Nine and a half sacks in his rookie year, three picks, a pick six and two fumble recoveries to go along with, 52 total tackles and uh, nine tackles for loss. Or I guess, yeah. Yeah, nine tackles for loss there. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I just think Aiden Hutchinson had a fantastic rookie year from the start and really came on, like you said, at the end of the season there with interceptions. Um and you know you got the lions helped the lions to a, a winning record and almost made the playoffs there so i think hutchinson's going to only get better but yeah i think it's close i think it's those two but uh i'm probably going to go with aiden well yeah he had a good season too but there was one stat you just said that i guess it's a stat you can consider but at the same time, there's so much luck involved in that stat, and that's fumble recoveries. Yeah. Because the ball has to bounce in your direction for that to happen. And, like, you have to be in the right place at the right time to get credited for that. So, I mean, yeah, he had the fumble recoveries, but I look more at the forced fumbles than the recoveries. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> All right, last one here. Uh, assistant coach of the year. Uh, I think this one is probably pretty good. Lions offensive coordinator Ben Johnson, 49ers defensive coordinator uh, D'Amico Ryans, and Eagles offensive coordinator Shane Steichen. I would love to go with Shane Steichen uh, because of my Eagles, but I'm going to go with Ben Johnson. I mean, the, the stuff that he did with Jared Goff this year on offense to make that a a potent offense at home. Anyways, on the road they were they were not as good, but um, yeah, I think Ben Johnson is is by far the favorite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. I think. Uh, I mean, I just think in general, like 
how good they were. I mean, yeah, you said at home, like in particular. I mean, I think that their their personnel were always really good, but I just think they really delivered on that. Um, and I think that they, I mean, you know, I think if their defense, if their linebackers and their secondary was a little bit better, they'd probably be a playoff team. Mm-hmm. I think their offense was really good. Um, and, yeah, even, I mean, between the production they got out of, you know, Jamal Williams, too, was crazy. Um, and, yeah, I thought they were – I think their offense was really good, really underrated overall, too. Well, yeah, the Lions would have made the playoffs if the Rams could actually win a game at the end of the season <laughs> and beat the Seahawks. But, um, yeah, I mean, I'm not as high – on the Lions there because, I mean, you – I forget which one of you. I think it was Rusty. You mentioned Jared Goff. It's not like that was out of the blue. He's done that before when he was with the Rams. They had the best offense for a good stretch of seasons there when he was with them. Uh, so it's not a surprise to me to see him perform the way he did. And Jamal Williams, though, leading the league in touchdowns, that was a bit of a surprise. But, again – I think I'd give the award to D'Amico Ryans because that, the, yes, having somebody like Nick Bosa obviously helps a lot. But that defense as a whole, as we talked about before, because we were talking about Nick Bosa, that defense was one of the best in the league as well. In a relatively tough division, yes, the Rams weren't how they normally are, but the Seahawks were good and the Cardinals even though they had a bad record, I think that their offense was pretty good too. Um, so, and also, I haven't heard, maybe it's just I haven't heard much about Ben Johnson getting any <laughs> consideration, but Zemeka Ryans, I've heard, is a favorite for two of the head coaching jobs. Yeah. So, I mean, clearly there's something there. <laughs> Well, Ben Johnson was getting a lot of interviews, but he chose to return to Detroit for next season instead. Yeah. Um, I think the thing that kills Shane Steichen is that he doesn't call plays. Nick Sirianni calls plays. Um, I actually would have rather had Eagles defensive coordinator Jonathan Gannon as a finalist because what he did with the Eagles defense and being up – in in the top whatever top ten in most uh, relevant defensive categories, uh, I think that was a fantastic job by Gannon because I didn't have too much high hope for the defense coming in. I had a, I knew the offense was going to be pretty solid, but what the defense has done um, has really been something to to watch with Jonathan Gannon. Why he's getting uh, some head coaching interviews as well. No. Okay, so coaching carousel, that kind of nice transition into that. So another guy that is that's returning and uh cutting off all the the coaching interviews is Cowboys defense coordinator Dan Quinn. Mm-hmm. Going to return yep. to Dallas for 2023. Um it just he's so weird. I don't I still think that he's the perfect fit for Denver. And he just two seasons in a row. He just he just doesn't. Well, he didn't win it last year, and now this year he says no. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go anywhere. 
I still just think he's he's a perfect fit for the Broncos um, yeah. for a multitude of reasons. But, yeah, staying in Dallas, apparently. Yeah. yeah. I think he's I mean, Go ahead, sorry. I was, I was going to say, I feel like his situation is a lot like Eric Bieniemy with the Chiefs. Bieniemy could have left any time he wanted over the last couple of years, probably. But he chose to stay with the Chiefs because they have one of, if not the best offense in the league. Cowboys last year had the best, at least I think the best overall defense. If not, they were definitely a top three defense. So why leave that? Yes, Denver has a good defense too. But as we've seen time and time again with a lot of coaches, including last year's uh, Denver head coach, Nathaniel Hackett, being a coordinator and being a head coach are two completely different jobs. Yes, Dan Quinn has had a track record of being a good head coach. He was in the Super Bowl with the Falcons. But I I don't know. You just – I don't know. Maybe he's still a little scarred from that game. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, I, I think he's making a good choice, though, staying with the Cowboys. I don't know. I, I just think he's a premier candidate for every – I mean, I don't know. I, I can't really think of, you know – a lot of guys I'd rather have as my head coach than to, or like that are I guess are available right now. You know, I think he's. Um, I just, I mean, maybe he just didn't want any of the jobs. I just, you know, that he just didn't like them, and just maybe he's going to continue to wait it out. I don't know, but I think that must be what it is. I, I just don't see. I mean, unless you just want to keep being great, like defensively. You know, I don't really know if there's really anywhere to go up, right, with the Cowboys in terms of, I mean, their defense, I don't think it's going to get a ton better next year. Um, You know, it might just stay the same, but I don't know. I doubt this is a a thought in Dan Quinn's head. Maybe it is, but he might just be banking on the Cowboys uh, are are not going to do well enough next year and Jerry's going to get annoyed with McCarthy (laughs) and then they're going to be like, all right, we're going with Dan Quinn now. (laughs) That's our head coach. (laughs) Yeah, but there's already been rumors swirling that the Cowboys are going to get rid of McCarthy when Sean Payton's ready to come back. But he is ready to come back. But I mean, like when he officially like goes for an interview or something, the Cowboys are going to be like, (laughs) Okay, bye, McCarthy. Let's go. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, see, I mean, Peyton is getting second interviews with a couple teams right now. So, uh, <clears throat> Like you mentioned, Chris, 49ers defensive coordinator D'Amico Ryans, he has emerged as the top candidate for the Houston Texans head coaching job. Might end up uh, getting that news early next week here um it's an interesting thing for the texans to hire a defensive coach for one uh when the offense is really bad um and also something interesting to note uh i don't know if it's like cal mcnair trying to rectify his reputation or whatnot but this does make three straight Minority mm-hmm. head coaches for the Texans. <laughs> and, you know, we know what the track record of Cal McNair 
and some of the comments he has said in the past um, that have been very racist. Uh, so I'm not saying anything that D'Amico Ryans definitely deserves a head coaching job. I'm just making a note of it because it's the Texans. Um, yeah. yeah. So. I also heard that he was a top candidate in Denver, too, though. Okay, I, yeah, haven't, so I haven't heard that yet. I, I'm i just – if I had a choice between those two teams, I don't know why anybody would pick Houston over Denver, <laughs> especially now that they, didn't, they don't have the first overall pick either. So they have to either hope a miracle happens or work their own magic to get that first pick. Well, I think I – think, uh, I mean, I can make a case for Houston right now. Um what Nick Casario is going to say to Ryan's or any other head coaching interview that they want, you know, look what we've done in the, the past, you know, one or two drafts, right. Under Nick Casario, especially last year's draft, last year's draft Texans really hit a lot. They got yeah. a hit on Derek Stingley, Jalen Petrie and Damian Pierce. So, yeah. and, and you, you would think, they would have also hit on um oh what's the Alabama receiver that oh, had Mechie? John Mechie, right. Yeah, yeah. Uh if he wouldn't have, have been diagnosed with cancer, um, you know, you think they probably would have hit on him too. Um yeah. so I think there's a lot of pieces now in Houston they just gotta keep building and what I told someone else is that um, I think this year we're going to see them do something similar to what they did last year. A lot of veterans that on one-year deals draft well, and then 2024 comes around, and you can go all in in free agency, especially if they get their quarterback of the future at number two in the draft this year. Yeah, but even if they don't, I mean, there's guys defensively that like look really good, right? Or that look like they could really put, you know, be angers, you know. Um, so, I don't know. I mean, I could see them, you know, you know, Autry's a defensive guy. I could see them trying to build that defense out and, you know, being okay with with being subpar next year and being hopeful that, you know, they're able to get a decent enough pick to get one of the premier guys next year, right? Right. Um, I mean, I think between Drake May and um, why am I blanking on uh, Caleb, Caleb Williams? Williams. Yeah. I mean, I think that those guys, I think if they were coming out this year, they'd probably be their t- the top guys. So, um, you know, maybe they're going to try to put all their eggs in that basket and build a team, um, I don't know, from the ground up. Um. So we did have the first head coaching domino drop, and I was driving to Indianapolis uh, on Thursday, and I just saw the ESPN notification come up, and I was like, why? What is what is happening right now in Carolina? Uh-huh. The Panthers have hired former Colts head coach Frank Reich. It's a great story. Frank Reich started the first three games in Panthers history in 1995 through the first Panthers touchdown in history. Um, 
So everyone's getting their their Carolina fort, number fourteen Reich jerseys out now from the woodwork. Uh, um, but I just I I didn't see it. I thought they were gonna go with someone. A li- he's not too old, but a, a little bit younger or more experienced with a better track record. And that's why I've been saying all offseason, David Tepper, you have to give Sean Payton whatever you want. And I thought that was where they were going to go. Um, yeah. But. Well, the only thing with that, though, is isn't he technically still property of the Saints? Yeah. So they would have had to probably give up way too much for him. Yeah. No, because it's a it's a division rival, so they probably would have. But there's a track record of of intra division head coaching traits. You you should know all too well as the Jets. It wasn't a trade. What Parcells? Oh, I forgot. I Parcells? thought you were talking about Ryan. That was the most recent one. I was, but that was a he got fired. Um, well, yeah, Parcells and Belichick. Yeah, yeah. But anyway. No, I just when I saw that, I immediately thought of you too because I was like, Rusty's probably pissed off right now because uh, Frank Reich is. I mean, it wouldn't have been my first choice. I was actually kind of surprised that they didn't end up sticking with Steve Wilkes because I thought he did a pretty decent job with them considering his uh, circumstances. Yeah, six and six down the stretch. Um you know almost almost got the division there if they could have beat the bucks uh cuz they did end up beating the saints then in week 18 uh Ugh. but yeah i i mean just needed something more flashier i i think not really that Reich is any more flashier than Steve Wilkes but uh yeah i don't know I don't know how to feel about it. We'll see. I mean, Reich is a good coach. He just never had a quarterback in Indy. Uh-huh. And he doesn't have a quarterback in Carolina either right now. Yeah. So, well, Darnold's still under contract, isn't he? No. No? Darnold's oh. a free agent. Yeah. So, I don't know. I think they're, they're going to be really desperate to move up to try to get one. Um. Or, yeah, because I think what were you gonna say? Or you do what you said with the Texans. You you, you start Matt Corral this entire yeah. year, <laughs> and then you draft Caleb Williams number one overall next year. <laughs> right, right. I mean, and I mean, I think you know the the Panthers. They have a decent enough defense, right? Or I mean, not like I think they still have holes, but I mean, they have some Top really 10. good players, right? Um, you know, J.C. Horn, right? And uh, Brian Burns, mm-hmm. I mean, I think are both really good players. Um, you know, I think so. I don't know. It'll just be interesting to see. I think their biggest thing is they just want an offense that isn't crappy. And, you know, hopefully Frank Wright can do that. But, yeah, we'll see. Um, couple <laughs> offensive coordinator, uh, a couple coordinator hirings as well. This week, uh, your Jets, Chris, new offensive coordinator in town, former Broncos head coach Nathaniel Hackett. How yeah. do you feel about that? Well, 
obviously, if you just look at last year as his <laughs> head coaching experience, it looks like a dumpster fire of a hire, which would be a totally Jets thing to do anyway. <laughs> but if you look at his track record as an offensive coordinator, he's been a decent offensive coordinator throughout his career, especially when he was in Green Bay. And if you've been following the Jets storylines this offseason, mm. there's been a lot of connections with Aaron Rodgers this offseason. So the hiring of Nathaniel Hackett just kind of reinforces and strengthens that. Obviously, there was that same narrative last year for the Broncos, and then they ended up going to get Russell Wilson instead. I don't know how close they were actually to getting Rodgers, but yeah, I, I do like the hiring of Hackett. But we just need to find a quarterback, and hopefully this one works out, unlike, like I said, last year with Denver. Yeah. I, I think the, the only thing that I have with Nathaniel Hackett, right, I was talking to a Packers fan about it. And so he had the, the 2017 year in Jacksonville, which Blake Bortles just miraculous career year there. <laughs> Um, and then, you know, he had the two seasons in Green Bay that Rodgers won MVP, but the issue I had with his time in Green Bay is that he didn't call plays. Uh, LaFleur did. So, yeah, that's the only issue I had with Hackett is that it's kind of a short, uh, resume and that he didn't call plays in Green Bay, but... Well, we already tried giving a LaFleur the play calling, and that <laughs> didn't work out. So I'm not, I'm not opposed to letting Hackett try it, even though that's what he was doing in Denver. But they also – Denver's offense definitely is nowhere near what the Jets' offense could be if they actually got a quarterback. Yeah. I think talent-wise, I think the – the Broncos were, I think, were always kind of overrated. I didn't think that they were very great talent wise. Um, so I, yeah, I think the Jets are a little. Are, you know, yeah, you get a quarterback in there. I think the Jets are pretty good. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It'll be. I mean, it's interesting to see, or you know, if this is just a pure play for Rodgers or what it is. I don't know. I mean, like you said, it didn't work out great last year, but we'll see how that goes. <laughs> Farv 2.0. Speaking of Michael Floor, the Rams have hired former Jets offense coordinator Michael Floor as their offensive coordinator. Um, So, default to Chris again. The Rams are going to have the best (laughs) offense in the league next year, so it's okay. (laughs) Well, I think, and see, that's the thing. He's not going to call plays because McVay calls plays on offense. So. Mm Um, he's going to be in the Hackett role that Hackett was in Green Bay where it's just helping to game plan for the offense and doing some uh, administrative stuff for McVay. Uh-huh. So, a decent situation. You know, you got a good amount of talent. Injuries yeah. this year for L.A., uh, and then the Falcons, they have their new defensive coordinator. Uh, Dean P is retiring this year, so they hired in the division Saints co-defensive coordinator Ryan Nielsen 
as their mm-hmm. DC. I have no clue. I've never even heard of Ryan Nielsen until this this coaching cycle. Yep. So I really, I like you guys probably have have nothing to say about him. <laughs> I've never even heard of him. Nope. <laughs> but I mean, clearly he must have shown something if he went from the co-defensive coordinator or whatever to now the sole defensive coordinator there in or in Atlanta. I mean, yeah. the Saints did. I mean, who knows how much each co-DC did. Uh, yeah. And obviously the teams would know, but, um, you know, the Saints did have a really solid defense uh, despite their 7-10 and 10 record and the woes on offense. Yeah. So, uh, interview-wise here, we got some, some more names talking about, and second interviews, specifically second interviews for the Colts head coaching job. Um, we got four guys here. So, <laughs> interim head coach Jeff Saturday got a second interview uh, with the team, as did Broncos defensive coordinator Ejiro Aviro. And then Rams, D.C., Raheem Morris, and Giants defensive coordinator Wink Martindale. I think it's interesting the Colts are outside of Jeff Saturday because who the hell knows what – I would assume he's an (laughs) offensive guy. I would assume so. But uh, the other three are defensive guys, Uh which is interesting to me. Uh, because their offense is just trash outside of Jonathan yeah. Taylor. Putrid. It's, putrid. <laughs> it's really bad. Uh, so, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't even know who the favorite is in Indy. Out of those four guys, I would take Wink. I would take Wink Martindale. He's the most yeah. experienced out of all four of them. Um, I was going to say either him Raheem, or Morris. Yeah, because Raheem – he. Yeah, he was a head coach. He was head coach. I believe he was a head coach at some point. Tampa. I think he was in a, Tampa, right? Tampa, yeah, Buccaneers. Yeah. 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 So uh, I guess okay. So Raheem would be the most experienced because he actually has head coaching. Um, but I still think Wink um, would be the best out of those four, in my mind. Anyways, I don't know. Yeah, it seems like ownership, from what I've read, I guess is that. Ursay really wants Saturday. <laughs> like, and Dude, nobody else wants it. But Dude, Ursay Colts, really does. The Colts fans yeah. would riot, bro. They would they would start breaking Lucas Oil down piece by piece. Yeah, they might, dude. I mean, because it's like, I don't know. The fact that it's gone this far, like, he's like, he's a finalist, man. He's good. I don't know. I think I could, I could see them doing it. I mean, and just saying, hey, we're gonna t- we're gonna try it again, you know. Or maybe but it's not—it's not even like he was a good coach for them this year. Like, granted, he didn't have much to work with, but still, no, the they Colts were, bad. were just terrible. Yeah, they were really bad. Yeah, one in six under Saturday, um, and just the- including that he was the coach for that incredible collapse, right? <laughs> Yeah. So, yeah. 33-0 in Minnesota. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but also, just the constant switching around of quarterbacks. 
He started Matt Ryan, Nick Foles, and Sam Ellinger down the stretch. And obviously they're another team that has to figure that out. But I don't think Saturday is definitely. Well, whoever, whoever does end up getting the job, though, will most likely, at least for the foreseeable future, have the quarterback position figured out because they're probably going to take the second best guy in the draft. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, de- uh, coordinator interviews here. Dolphins defensive coordinator, former Broncos head coach Vic Fangio, Saints co-defensive coordinator slash defensive backs coach Chris Richard. Vikings defensive coordinator, they're looking. They added a uh, former Packers defensive coordinator Mike Pettin to their list. Bucks offensive coordinator, they added three guys here. Broncos. Pass game coordinator Clint Kubiak, Giants quarterback coach Shea Tierney, and Bengals quarterback coach Danny Pitcher. And then uh, Commanders offensive coordinator, they added uh, 49ers assistant head coach slash running backs coach Anthony Lynn uh, to their list. I think that would be pretty solid hire for Ron Rivera there. They yeah. can get Anthony Lynn. But uh, injuries, just two... To note here, 49ers quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo not expected to play this weekend, eight weeks after his uh, broken foot surgery there, so not ready to go yet. Um, and Dolphins, would they really give would they really give the the job back to him though if he came back? Mm. Like, if they actually did that, like I'm glad that he's not ready to come back because. That would just be a dumb move if they were to give it back to him, at least this well, year. Well, why not? I mean, he's experienced, and that's one of the biggest things that I'll talk about in the title game is the quarterback experience in a very difficult environment in Philadelphia. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. But... Yeah, uh, that's a hard call to make, though. <clears throat> uh, and Shani loves him some some Jimmy G. So, oh, uh, who doesn't? <laughs> Another quarterback, Dolphins quarterback Tua Tagovailoa, still in concussion protocol, won't attend the Pro Bowl. He was a first alternate, um, so he was gonna be in the Pro Bowl because I think Burrow and Mahomes were voted to the Pro Bowl. Yeah, I think so. So there's going to be a spot open for another AFC quarterback. Um, so, yeah, but that's just, it's just ridiculous. I don't understand, like, how he's still in protocol. It's been, like, yeah. two months. <laughs> well, because he was never fully healed the first time, and that probably really screwed him over. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not familiar with how that works, but I yeah, I mean still being in it for one month sounds very scary. Like it doesn't sound like that doesn't sound like that's not normal by any stretch, right? Right. <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I'm worried. We'll see how that goes. Um ins and outs for championship weekend here, Bengals. Gonna be without <clears throat> left tackle Jonah Williams and right guard Alex Kappa. 
uh, once again this week. Uh, however, luckily for Burrow, they will have tight end Hayden Hurst uh, available. He's going to play. Chiefs uh, quarterback Patrick Mahomes, his high ankle sprain, he's good to go. Practiced fully this entire week. I think, I don't think it's going to be as big of an issue as people are thinking it's going to be. I mean, he came back and played in the second half of that game, so that was why all, wouldn't yeah. it be? That was all adrenaline. I know, but still. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. And, I mean, it's Andy. They can figure out just to, you know, if, the, if there is a problem with his movement, I mean, figure out ways to, you know, make sure that he's not moving around as much or, you know, just quick quick looks, quick reads. Mm-hmm. Um you know, because I think, yeah, if he's, you know, I don't think they're going to, hopefully they're not going to expect him to, to run around or try to make plays as much as maybe he he does normally. Um, but, yeah, I mean, with Andy Reid, I think you can't really, I feel like there's not a whole lot of better positions to be in, you know, in terms of a guy who could just game plan or figure it out, you know. I mean, they did score a touchdown without him last week, so. Right. Yeah. Not saying that a whole game without him against the Bengals would be easy to win, but I think they'd be fine even if he didn't play. Yeah. Andy Reid has 110% confidence in Chad Henney if he has to play. Mm-hmm. Um, also, good news for Philly. Uh, Eagles corner Avante Maddox dealing with the toe injury. He is going to play. That's massive for Philly uh, because Avante is their slot corner. So he's going to be able to match up. uh, If Debo comes in the slot, that'll be uh, Avante Maddox's guy. And then also, I don't know if McCaffrey lines up there too often. I feel like McCaffrey lines up out wide more often than he does in the slot. Um, but if he does, you know, that'll be Maddox's guy too, which I'm, I feel a lot better with him in the middle than I, than I did before I heard that he was going to play. Uh, and then Chiefs tight end Travis Kelsey dealing with a back injury. He's officially listed as questionable. He's going to play. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah, I'll play. Uh, just a couple futures deals here by Josh McDaniels and the Raiders. Uh, they signed former Bucks fifth round pick, uh, twenty twenty fifth round pick wide receiver Tyler Johnson, and former Patriots defensive lineman Adam Butler uh, to futures deals. So solid players going into the off season for Vegas. Uh-huh. And then the Panthers. Just had to mention this. They they worked out former Eagles and Seahawks tight end JJ Ortega Whiteside, which is fantastic. Great. Wait, he's a tight end now? Yeah, I don't know if he was a tight end now. He switched to tight end when he went to when he got traded to Seattle in the preseason. Huh. huh. Yeah. <clears throat> but hey, Panthers need a tight end. Ian Thomas sucks. So, I don't know why they re-signed him last year. Well, they had Dan Arnold, but they traded him. Not that he's really that good either. Because they re-signed Ian Thomas. <laughs> I know. 
And they wanted Tommy Tremble to get more work anyways. <clears throat> okay. Pick standings. So Mark Lone Wolf to the Cowboys last week. The only loss of the week. So there are now just three games left. So Mark has clinched uh, the pick standings championship. He, he won the regular season. Wins the postseason as well. Three and one. Logan and I went four and zero oh each last week. So Logan's five back. I'm a lot back. <laughs> <laughs> They're only seven. It's not that bad. Yeah, you're doing all right. I did come back from quite a ways down, but all right. Picks this week: NFC Championship game tomorrow. 49ers at the Eagles. Eagles getting two and a half points right now. Mark is lone wolfing the 49ers. Um, so, there's a lot to unpack with this game. I do think, obviously I'm picking the Eagles because I'm an Eagles fan, but at the same time, I do have confidence with Philly because we're at home. That's I every, Anytime someone has to come into Philadelphia to play a playoff game, I have more confidence than when we're on the road. And... I just think the biggest thing is going to be what I kind of mentioned earlier is it's going to come down to quarterback experience. Jalen Hurts has played a lot more games than Brock Purdy has. Brock Purdy, while he might be 8-0 this season, including playoffs, he hasn't played in an environment like Philadelphia. Um, So I think that's going to be a big thing, and it's just going to – the Cowboys did a great job of holding that offense last week to one touchdown. And I think you're going to – the Eagles are just as good on defense as the Cowboys are. So I think you're going to see them do a lot of what Dallas did to to limit Purdy. And they had the guys up front to stop McCaffrey in the run game. One big thing that I'm monitoring for tomorrow pregame – is Elijah Mitchell because if they don't have Elijah Mitchell, which he didn't practice all week so far, that's going to be a bigger issue than I think most people realize because I don't know how they're going to pound it up inside because he's their he's their uh, power guy. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're going to have to use Debo in the backfield more often if Mitchell doesn't play, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you said that Mark's lone wolfing, and I know I'm technically not a part of the picks here, but I do think that I would go with the 49ers as well. So technically, Mark's not a lone wolf here. <laughs> um, part of the reason why I'm going with the 49ers, though, is because my preseason Super Bowl pick was Chiefs 49ers. That's still very much in play here. So that's part of the reason why. But the 49ers are here for a reason. It's not by luck. They have had so much adversity, and we've pointed out the most glaring one with the quarterback position. But even before Purdy became the starter, they – what are they on, like a 12-game win streak right now, a 13-game win streak, something like that? Yeah, 12. 
they've been undefeated since McCaffrey has been there too. And he was traded a few weeks before Purdy came in. So I just I'm riding with the hot hand. Obviously the Eagles, they had the best record in the league and all that. And two of the games that they that they lost were without Hurts. We already mentioned that earlier too. But I'm riding with the hot hand with the 49ers and I think that this game, like you mentioned, Rusty, I think it'll be a lot like the game last week with the 49ers and Cowboys. I think it's going to be a low-scoring defensive battle, and if I have to pick a defense, I'd go with San Francisco over the Eagles. Yeah. I think that the 49ers are going to be able to make that final stop. I'm not sure where to go. I think – because I do, th- I do agree with Rusty that I think that the Philadelphia, like playing in Philadelphia, I think is a big factor. Yeah. I do. I think, you know, I mean the Niners have. I mean Purdy hasn't had to play on the road um, in a playoff game yet, and I think it'll be interesting to see how he does it. Um, and yeah, I mean I, I, I agree with both of you guys. I think you know it's going to be a defensive mat, defensive game. I don't think it's going to be very high scoring. I think you know the the Niners are going to be able to get under. Um, you know, Jalen hurts his skin a little bit, um, you know, between Fred Warner and, um, you know, Bosa, as we mentioned earlier. But I, I, I think between it being in Philadelphia and I think Philadelphia also being under to being able to, you know, um, game plan for Purdy and get under his skin a little bit. I just think he's going to be prone to make a couple more mistakes than Jalen Hurts will. Um, and I think that's the biggest thing. Yeah. So, and in terms I'm of lean in Philly, yeah. And and I I only talked about the the Forty Niners offense versus the Eagles defense, but to just flip it, the the Forty Niners defense, uh, while they are very good, they struggle in downfield defense, throws of twenty or more yards. You they allowed them. the fifth most touchdowns, uh, in the league. They tied for the fifth most touchdowns allowed. Uh, 20 plus air yards with seven and Jalen Hurts through 12 uh, which led the league in 20 plus air yards touchdowns um, also Travarius Ward I think is a weak link on the 49ers defense not last week because he didn't have to face a receiver last week like he did in the wild card round and like he will have to this weekend Wild card round, DK Metcalf absolutely torched Tavarius Ward time and time again. And who's he at the face this week? Uh, an almost clone of DK Metcalf, just a little bit slower. Uh, because AJ Brown is is as big as DK and as strong as DK. Like I said, he's just not as fast as DK. So. I think Tavarius Ward is going to struggle when he's facing A.J. Brown. Um, and that's going to be a big factor. And A.J. said this week he doesn't want to be a diva, but he wants the damn ball. So I think Jalen's going to give him the ball, and uh, that's going to be a weak link for, for San Fran defense. Also, when you talk about the quarterback run game, um, I saw Rob Ninkovich uh, breaking down some, some defensive game tape for the Niners this week on ESPN. He was showing how the the Cowboys used Dak's running ability a little bit, not as much obviously as the Eagles do. Um, but Bosa really struggles 
in the RPO game because Bosa wants to rush the passer so badly that he gets upfield too quick, and then the quarterback just runs underneath him. Um, So I think Bosa, if he doesn't stay disciplined in this game, Jalen Hurts is gonna gonna have the the running game that he is used to. Yeah. So this game, the total is forty six. I think we're all going with the under. Uh-huh. Um, and so. three p.m. on Fox. AFC Championship game. I am lone wolfing. The Kansas City Chiefs. Um, you know, I have a really good stat. The Chiefs are twelve and zero. When Patrick Mahomes, I don't remember if it's ninety percent or a hundred percent of his throws come from inside the pocket. I think it's ninety percent. When ninety percent of Patrick Mahomes' throws comes come with inside the pocket, the Chiefs are twelve and zero under Andy Reid. Um. So just that's that, even though I do think Mahomes is going to be fine. His ankle, I think, is a lot better than people think. And he's going to be able to, to get outside the pocket. And, and the Chiefs, have to they have to break the streak eventually, right? Uh, three straight to the Bengals. Two in the playoffs. You, you got you to gotta do something. Yeah. And, well, just like I said for the last slide, you're not lone wolf in this because I'm on the Chiefs too here. Um, yeah, there's that whole 3-0 narrative, the whole Burrowhead thing that's going around. But, like, I feel like this is this next generation of, like, Brady versus Manning here. Mm-hmm. And, obviously, Brady had the upper hand most of the time but and I think in this situation it's kind of flipped like the Brady in this situation in terms of star power and stats I think would be Mahomes but he's the underdog here I just I everything to me we we've been talking about Mahomes and the Chiefs this entire show and how this just seems like it's the perfect story, perfect setup for him this year. And he's the front runner for MVP. He's, well, not Offensive Player of the Year because that's going to be Jefferson. But he would probably win that too. And, I mean, like we talked about before too, the injuries. If he were, if he were to get hurt again, I just, I think the team overall would be able to overcome that and still be able to win this game. And I saved this little bit when we were talking about the injuries too. You mentioned the offensive line injuries for the Bengals. And we also talked about Chris Jones earlier too. He had what, 15 and a half this year? Mm-hmm. And that's a lot for a defensive tackle. And I think he could just rush that right guard spot, whoever plugs in there, and he can get through a couple times. Yeah. I think – I mean, I think Burrow's been a lot better this season about getting rid of the ball quicker. 
um, you know, and being able to kind of diagnose things really fast. But I do think with a guy like Chris Jones and, and I mean, I don't know. I think that the, I, I think I'm going with the chiefs too. I, I do like the Bengals a lot, but I think the chiefs in terms of their team as a whole, I think is a, is a little bit better. Um, and I think, I don't know. I think the, the Bengals, when they go play the Chiefs the past couple times they've won, I think it's always been like the Chiefs. I mean, I know the Chiefs are the favorite here, but I think a lot of people are are really on the Bengals. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the Bengals are kind of, you know, the, the social favorite or everyone's rooting for them. And, you know, like the Burrowhead stuff, as Chris mentioned, like, you know, I mean, the, the Bengals are feeling themselves right now. And I think this is the the time when the Chiefs, I think, are going to, you know, really feel at least in some way like the underdog or like the team who has something to prove. Um, so I think, I think the Chiefs are. I, I'm picking the Chiefs too. Yeah, I think and, the Bengals are on a 12 well, game win streak as well, just like the Niners. Yeah. Well, we also mentioned before in the NFC Championship about the home field advantage. Kansas City is one of the loudest stadiums in the league, so mm-hmm. yeah, it, it'll get tough for the Bengals there. Yeah, it'll. I think it'll be interesting to see what defensive coordinator Lou Anarumo does uh, against Mahomes, because what he's done in the past has worked, and I wouldn't be surprised if he goes back to what they did last year and just rush three, drop eight. Um, at times, but what I was saying all, all week, cause I, I really didn't know who I was going to pick, uh, until I got more information on Mahomes' ankle and how it looked this week. Um, but if I'm in a room, I am blitzing one of my two inside linebackers every play for the first couple plays of the game. To move Mahomes out of the pocket, uh, and just to make him make him move and, and see how it feels, and if he feels fine, then then you go back to your regular game plan, and, and do everything that you were normally going to do against Mahomes. But if he doesn't move well, then then you you got a lot more options, uh, and you can change some stuff and, and blitz him more. Because he's not going to be able to to avoid the pressure. Um, play said, I think he's fine. I think he's going to play well. And the uh, I I am going with the Andy Reid Super Bowl Eagles Chiefs. After it's also uh, the Kelsey Super Bowl if that happens. True. After the 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 Bills let me down and my Eagles Bills Super Bowl dreams crashed and burned last week. Uh. <laughs> This game total is 48. Do we think they get there in this game? Yeah, I think it'll be a high-flying game. Yeah. 27-23 Chiefs. Something like that. Yeah. I like that. Um, 6.30 on CBS tomorrow night. So, next week, we'll be back on Friday, not Saturday. I don't have anything going on on Friday next week. So, next week, though, is Pro Bowl and Senior Bowl weekend. We got the Senior Bowl on Saturday. I mentioned uh, on 
Tuesday's show and last Friday's show, some of the guys I'm looking at on both of the Senior Bowl teams uh, still don't know which quarterbacks are playing for which teams. Um, so hopefully the Senior Bowl announces that this week and on fr- on uh, Monday I can talk or Tuesday I can tell you about that. But uh, still waiting to see which ones are on on which teams. But yeah, and then we have the stupid Pro Bowl. I don't even know why I'm. I shouldn't have even put it on the screen because it's it's so dumb now that there's not a game and it's freaking flag football and yeah i think it's just stupid they yeah i don't know they had to do something but yeah i don't know i think if you if you if you're playing flag football you should only be allowed to play flag football if you can't play tackle football yeah like us, we're we're too old to play organized football, and we don't have the opportunity. We don't have the skill to play in the NFL. Right, that's fair. But kids should play tackle football if they're old enough and they can. Mm-hmm. <laughs> None of this flag crap. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. But yeah, as always, we'll have all NFL, NCAA news, uh, USFL, XFL, if there is any. Uh, don't forget to follow us on all our social media at FAA Podcast on Instagram and Twitter, FAA underscore bets on Twitter, and then FAAPodcast.com is our website. You can check us out here on YouTube, Facebook, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and iHeartRadio. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Colin, for being on today. And we'll see you Thank all you. back on Tuesday. <laughs>